We would like to welcome you to the June 27th edition of The Jazz Show on CITR. My name's Gavin Walker, and I'm your host, as uh, I am every Monday night, right here at uh, CITR. And we endeavor to bring you the very best in jazz music for three hours plus. This evening, I... I'm half expecting a guest, um, and I wanted to kind of reserve the earlier part of the show for that guest, and um, if he does show up, then no problem. So this is a little different from the usual shows because I'm going to delay the jazz feature tonight, which I will tell you about briefly. It's a great album by... Um, Cannonball Adderley's brother, Nat, and it's under Nat's leadership, and uh, it's a live date that uh, takes place um, at a club in Los Angeles called Memory Lane, and uh, it features Nat Adderley with a hand-picked band um, with Joe Henderson, the great Joe Henderson on tenor saxophone, and uh, other folks. But we're going to delay that. Uh, We usually do the jazz feature right off the top, and we're going to delay it uh, in the hopes that uh, um, the potential guest will arrive in the studio. So before he gets here, if he ever does, (laughs) and the reason I say this is normally uh, someone uh, would either phone me or contact me through email, Facebook, or whatever, and uh, tell me, maybe ask me directions and all this kind of stuff. Although this gentleman has lived here in Vancouver, he may be pretty confused as to uh, how to get uh, around UBC. So um, we're going to play some music for a while and uh, just enjoy some good sounds. This time uh, we're going to start the show with one of my favorite albums by vibist Bobby Hutcherson, who I refer to as my Aquarian brother because um, we were born in the same year but uh, just a few days apart and uh, we're friends and <laughs> so um, Bobby is of course one of the great geniuses of the vibraphone and uh, this album is uh, a wonderful album called Stick Up as a matter of fact gee I'm just looking out the window now, and my guest has arrived. So we're just going to hear one or one or two tunes from this album, and I'm going to bring my guest into the show. Uh, that's great. So everything is as planned. But right now we're going to listen to uh, un- until we uh, we get all settled in front of the microphone and uh, get things worked out. The music of Bobby Hutcherson from this wonderful album called Stick Up which is a very uh, fairly elusive item on Blue Note Records, is Bobby Hutcherson on vibes with the great Joe Henderson on tenor saxophone, McCoy Tyner at the piano, Herbie Lewis on bass, and Billy Higgins on drums. And we're going to hear a couple of tunes from this album before we bring in my guest. And um, I'll just keep his name a secret until he uh, is all settled in the studio. So we begin from this album with a tune by Bobby called 8-4 Beat, and uh, we'll continue with a follow-up tune, a very beautiful ballad entitled Summer Nights, and it's perfectly suited to 
the weather this evening. So here then, Bobby Hutchison and company.
That's such a beautiful piece of music um, by Bobby Hutchison. And uh, it's called Summer Nights. And that, of course, was Bobby on vibes, McCoy Tyner at the piano, Herbie Lewis on bass, and Billy Higgins on drums. And the first tune we heard with the full band with Joe Henderson on tenor saxophone was uh, another Bobby Hutchison tune called 8-4 Beat. And that's from this uh, Blue Note album by Bobby Hutchison, one of my favorites. And uh, I was just telling our my guest, who is uh, we'll be talking to in a moment, that this is uh, the fav- one of the favorite Bobby Hutchison albums of Rini Rossness, who worked with Bobby uh, off and on for um, uh, a few years, as a matter of fact. And uh, as a matter of fact, I heard them here in Vancouver. They were wonderful. Rini was playing piano with Bobby Hutchison. I think that that may have been the last time Bobby was here in Vancouver. But um, anyway, this is, uh, Rini told me herself that this was her favorite Bobby Hutchison album. And I was very lucky. I heard this band at the Monterey Jazz Festival, the exact same band um, that Bobby put this, uh, that is on this record, performed at the Monterey Jazz Festival one afternoon. And that was uh, quite a thrill to hear this band in person and play um, most of the tunes that are on this album. Anyway, this was recorded in 1966, uh, Rudy Van Gelder's studio for Blue Note Records, and the album is called Stick Up, Bobby Hutchison. Well, I'm really happy that uh, my guest has arrived in the studio, and I didn't tell you who it was, although I, I mentioned uh, last week because we played a lot of his music, and... Um, when he walked through the door, I thought, gee, he hasn't forgotten, and he hasn't uh, forgotten to make the show. I'd uh, like to introduce and say hello to one of the country's finest guitarists and uh, singers, composer, a great musician who has lived here in Vancouver for, um, for a number of years, and he now resides in the city of my birth, which is Montreal. And uh, I'd like to introduce you to Mike Rudd. Hi, Gavin. How you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh man, thank you for for being here. It was it was it was great. Just as I was uh, talking and saying, I'm not sure whether he's <laughs> <laughs> there. You there you you suddenly appeared. You know, uh, Aquarians do that, right? Uh, so I'm told. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike is uh, was is born under the side of Aquarius, the same as uh, yours truly. I think we're what one day apart or something. Uh, like we that. are indeed. Yeah. yeah. So you're uh, out here in Vancouver to perform. Yeah. Uh, and where will you be performing, Mike? That'll be at Frankie's Jazz Club on mm-hmm. Wednesday night with uh, Bill Coon, uh, Too Much Guitar with Darren Radke and uh, Dave Robbins. And uh, it should be a should be a really nice night. It's, it's part of the festival. Yes. <clears throat> and will will you be doing your solo thing at I all? I will here? be. Yeah, I'll be doing the first set. Will be me doing my my uh, stuff from miniatures. This new record. Right. We heard quite a bit of it last week, and we'll hear more of it tonight, of oh, course, cool. uh, because you're here. And uh, so that's going to be something else. 
too much guitar. That'll be very fun indeed. Yeah. yeah. Well, Bill Kuhn is, is, is so wonderful. Yeah. So how many years did you, you went to Cap College, didn't you? Uh, did no, I no, I never did. I, uh, oh, okay. I'm, I was, I was mistaken. No, yeah, I, but I did know Bill from school, but it was in Montreal. I uh, oh, was in right. the early 90s. I knew him. He was teaching at Concordia just as I was finishing up McGill. So mm. that's a whole other lifetime. But, uh, yeah, no, I never did Cap. Right. But you did live in Vancouver for... I did, for, uh, for four years. Yeah. It was four years, yeah. that's right. And, and Victoria for a year as well. Yeah. And you played at the cellar and uh, all the different venues and oh, yeah, so yeah. on and so forth. Yeah. As a matter of fact, this album, uh, or this piece of music that we're, uh, I'm going to play, sort of as an introduction to uh, uh, continue our conversation with Mike, is an album uh, that you did at the cellar. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did it at CBC uh, Vancouver here on Hamilton Street there uh, with um, Dave Robbins, who will be with us on uh, on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Great drummer. And, uh, oh yeah, beautiful drummer. Uh, and uh, Darren Radke uh, it w- is on that show. On this, on this cut, I believe it's Russ Botton, wonderful local bass player. Oh yeah, and, Rusty uh, Bottom. Yep, yeah. and uh, Mike Allen is on here and Tilden Webb. Hmm. Well, a formidable crew. Yeah, they don't get bands don't get any better than that. No, really. So we'll hear the tune. It's your composition. Yep. And it's called Hap Hap Happy. Here we go. Thank you. 
That's a great little tune, man. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, hap, hap, happy. Hap, hap, happy, yeah. <laughs> well, it definitely is. I think I was living right here on the UBC campus when I wrote that uh, that tune, actually. Oh, is that right? Yep, that's yeah. when that session came up for the CBC. Right. And you were living on campus? Yeah, my wife, my at-the-time wife, was, uh, uh, was uh, taking a degree in uh, library studies right across the street from here. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, and so uh, I found myself living in the uh, campus housing, and just like twenty minute walk from here. Yeah, yeah. Acadia Road. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was yeah. on Melfa Court. Oh, Melfa Court. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I know Melfa Court. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that thing got penned just a stone's throw away from here, actually. And so those were hap hap happy days. Uh, yeah, sort hap- of happy enough. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Right. <laughs> Had a young kid. It was fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. Great. So uh, this uh, particular project, the, um, I'll just, oh, Mike Allen was the saxophonist on yeah. here, and Russ Botton on bass, Tilden Webb on piano, and uh, Dave Robbins on That's drums, right. of course. And uh, Robbins is going to be playing drums with your... With uh, Bill and uh, Darren, yeah. Darren Radke on bass at, uh, at Frankie's. That's going to be a, a really nice gig. I absolutely cannot wait. Yeah. Did you guys um, work out some original stuff? We do, yeah. We've been well. We've been going back and forth in an email chain, coming up with some unusual stuff, uh, ah. and I, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be wonderful, actually. Great, and that's part of part of uh, this year's jazz festival too. Frankie's has uh, become a, a focal point. Uh, Frankie's Jazz Club on on Beatty Street has become a focal point of. Uh, um, the Jazz Festival, one of the focal points of the Jazz Festival. I can't it, wait to see it. It really is a nice club, and uh, the food is is great. The service is great, and uh, mm. it's it's really nice. And of course, uh, Corey will be there. He cor- he Corey Corey will drive yes. it, and um, it's a nice project for him because uh, uh, as I was talking to him, he he says, you know, I don't have to deal. This is something he hated when he did, when he did the cellar because food and beverage. That's right, because of the licensing yeah. uh, of the club, he couldn't just open a club and and have snack food. He had to have a full restaurant and all that yep. stuff, and he he just hated that. He was he did a good job of it, but he sure didn't enjoy that side oh, of it. I no, don't think. no. So uh, he's much more mellow now. Because <laughs> <laughs> he can just. Do the music more exactly. That's yeah. exactly what he wanted to do in the first place. You know, yeah. So I don't know how that guy gets everything done that he does. It's amazing. His energy is uh, unbelievable. Yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, as a matter of fact, he he had a little bit of a setback. He was off for a couple of nights. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, anybody, uh, I think he, he exudes so much energy, he had to take a, a little bit of a rest right. at, at home. So he's back now on the scene, so hmm. that sort of thing. But he uh, regrettably had to uh, stay home for a couple of nights. Really? Um, and, and recuperate. Hmm. Just, uh, I think, to restore his energy. You know, well, one would think so, yeah. He's got so much. He's like an octopus. I mean, how does he, <laughs> how, how does he juggle all these yeah. things? You know? uh, I don't know, man. Yeah. However, um, now this project, and we, I, was, uh, I played some of this uh, music last week. This is a whole new thing for you, this, this new album called Miniatures. Yeah. Solo. Yeah. It's pretty different, yeah. Solo, singing, and playing. What made you? Uh, what made me do it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the the reason the the record right before that was uh, Notes on Montreal. Yes, which was with a nine piece band with strings and a, a you know a marvelous singer named Sienna Dolan and a great Montreal rhythm section, and the logistics in getting that thing rehearsed and booked into places and so on and so forth. The logistics were just out of control, like just the number of phone calls you had to make to make sure everybody would be at the same place to rehearse or to play a gig or whatever. Even as we were mixing it, Notes on Montreal, I thought, I just started saying to myself, next record, I want to just be able to sit down, just me and a guitar. Uh, and so, so that I could have a counterbalance to large projects. I could have this thing where I could just show up and play by myself someplace. But that's kind of the hook is that it's... It's one guy and one guitar, but those arrangements, some of those took me a couple of years to work out because they're, I'm singing a melody and I'm playing like a fast bass line at the same time, independent of the melody. Uh, and, uh, and, and then I experiment with different ways of doing it, uh, d- different tunes. Sometimes I sing a bass line and play over top. Sometimes I play a bass line and sing over top. Sometimes I do straight-up counterpoint. There's a Bach piece on here that I put lyrics to, and uh, it's a real experiment in sort of a deep, flexible rea- uh, relationship between the voice and the guitar, uh, and it took quite a bit of just obstinately sitting at the kitchen table hammering away at these arrangements. It is really fun to be able to sit down and do it for a live audience now, though, because it's, it's like s- the best moments of it are like a little magic trick. You know, they're just, they just pop out and, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm very proud of that work. So, yeah, well, that, it must be such a challenge, uh, to, to coordinate this stuff. You yeah. Know? You're patting your head and rub, rubbing your stomach at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I've tried to do it in a way that's like, it's entertaining, right? Right. There's, it's kind of done, not, I would not tongue in cheek, but with a very light heart. You know, mm-hmm. because I, I have always sung a little bit, but I'm not, you know, I'm not some kind of super duper singer. Right. But I can, I can kind of, I can, but I can definitely keep uh, provide a a very fun, interesting, engaging, entertaining hour with these, uh, you know, just alternate takes on these tunes that involve putting them through this different process. Mm-hmm. So how how have audiences reacted to this uh, in you? you you have performed this live. I've right? been doing it live for about two years now. Oh, okay. And in order to get it to so you're an old sh- hand. Well, I'm a it, but that stuff is so challenging that it constantly demands that I play it in front of people to keep it 
uh, to keep it sharp because it's, you know, I've been playing standards with groups like in the in the cut we just heard, let's say. Yeah. Uh, I've been doing that uh, since uh, the late 1980s. Uh, that's um, it's challenging, but it's but it's 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 uh, it's they're all the strategies for it are very much uh, in my habits. I, I'm in my comfort zone doing that, but with no band getting up and doing these things, and they can fall apart, you know, if I breathe on them wrong. Uh, they it, it it's 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 at the edge of what I can do. Some of the stuff on this recording and. Uh, audiences really like it, especially in a thing like we'll have at Frankie's where you have a, a listening room um, where people are, are focused. There's a stage, there's lights, and people are, you know, in a case where if, 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 if there's distractions and stuff, it's a little tougher. But in so far, in this, I'm on a tour right now supported yeah. by the Canada Council, and many of the playing situations have been little mini concerts. You know, there's 40 people. There's... And it's totally focused. That is just a dream come true. That's mm-hmm. a really deep connection with the audience on something that intimate. There's not even a band to hide behind. It's just uh, it's like you're delivering stand-up or something. Mm-hmm. But it is a concert hall situation, whereas uh, when you perform here at Frankie's, yeah, there'll be people, you know, perhaps, well, they won't be talking, but they'll be... They, there will be distractions because people... Yeah, I'm used to doing it with some distractions, yeah. But uh, it's... Uh, no, as long as people are listening, it's uh, it, they're going to get something great out of it, I'm sure of it. Yeah. Well, all right. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to listen to um, a few tracks from your album, uh, Miniatures. And, of course, uh, um, this is basically what you'll be doing the first set at Frankie's. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm doing I'm doing uh, the miniatures material first. And uh, one of the, we're going to listen to three tunes uh, from this album. Just one of those things, um, Nature Boy, of course, which is uh, so famous, and um, and Dexterity, of course, which is a Charlie Parker tune. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, and that, upper, that must have been a challenge. Well, with dexterity, yeah, I, I sing the bass line and I solo over top of the bass line that I'm singing. Right. So, yeah, that took months and months. That first I had to write like a prepared piece, just a memorized thing with I'm singing this exact bass line and playing this exact lick over top of it, right? And then you start loosening that up and making oh now i'll work on changing the baseline a tiny bit now i'll work on changing the lick that was months and months and months and then just one of those things was the same amount of prep but in reverse okay now i'm gonna you know i'm gonna play the baseline i'm gonna sing this thing over top of it and it's gonna go by lickety split uh, but you know it meant breaking up the metronome at like the very slow it's been it just took me right back to being a beginner mm-hmm. um and Nature Boy, the approach on that is very much of a blues guitar player's, or you know, like almost close to like in time in points, kind of like a Stevie Ray Vaughan type approach to it. Because it, since it's just me and a guitar, I, it's it's a desperate scramble for every possible way of tossing up the feels and the sounds, right? To get all the variety into the thing you possibly can. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and it's it's interesting that the uh, the tunes are. Um, are actually quite short. That's uh, the other sense in which they're miniatures, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so it gives you such a variety of, of, of material to explore, uh, say, in a set. 
Well, if you get a bass player and a drummer and a piano player going through some groove, yeah. they've got so many ways they can swim because there's three guys that yeah. they can make that last for 10 minutes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. With me, what I'm going to give you on a medium swing, uh, we're probably through it in a minute and 45 seconds, right? So that's how long I make the songs shorter and get through more material. Right. So it's, uh, well, like you say, mi- <laughs> it's miniature, <laughs> miniature in every sense. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll begin with uh, just one of those things Cole Porter. It was just one of those things Just one of those crazy things One of those bells that now and then rings It was just one of those things It was just one of those nights Just one of those fabulous flights A trip to the moon on gossamer wings It was just one of those things If we thought a bit of the end of it As we started painting the town We'd have been aware that this love affair was too hot not to cool down. So, so long, dear and amen. Here's hoping we meet now and then. It was great fun, but it was just one of those things. But it was just one of those things. a boy a very strange enchanted boy they say he wandered very far 
very far over land and sea a little shy and sad of eye very wise was he and then one day Magic day, he passed my way. And as we spoke of many things, fools and kings, this he said to me. The greatest thing you could ever learn Just to love and be loved in return. Passed my way, and as we spoke of many things, fools and kings, this he said to me the greatest thing. could ever learn is just to love and be loved in return.
great <laughs> you know i can i can understand uh, just listening to this uh the amount of work that you had to do to perfect these things there was a lot of work went into those yeah <laughs> and a lot of takes of that last one that uh never made it near the album for sure you know that that was the best one for sure yeah yeah, yeah. How, how many takes that tune maybe i tried it i don't know I don't know, 10 times or something like oh, right, that, right. you know. But the thing is, you know, if let's say it was 10 times, those other nine were were nowhere near as good as that one turned out. So we got that one in the can, and I'm like, I know which one we're using for that. Yeah, There's no course. contest. Yeah. And then you catch as catch can. You move on to the next two, and so things stay fresh, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, uh, speaking of takes, um, the, there's there's so many comprehensive discographies out now that um, which didn't exist when uh, you were probably buying records and certainly didn't exist when I started listening no. to jazz. I mean, we, we didn't know a lot of information, maybe a recording date, uh, you know, and it was recorded in New York or whatever like that, but you didn't know what went into an album. And, of course, everyone figured, well, this is jazz, you know, they did this off the top of their heads. And then you realize that some tunes, you know, took 14, 15 yeah, tries. The yeah. best musicians in the world... You know, and for some reason they were dissatisfied and just did another take yeah. of the same tune. And the recording session would be, you know, maybe six tunes, and it'd be like maybe I've seen forty-six takes Can for six tunes. Yeah, you know, and uh, um, that was of course revealed later on when these comprehensive discographies came out. Right, uh, how long it took to make a, a satisfactory. Uh, in some cases, yeah, yeah, for sure. Other times it was like... Some um, things just pour out in the first thing. Yeah. Or... Uh, well, certain artists, too, uh, um, didn't believe in this kind of... Sonny Stitt, for instance, when he went into... He recorded very casually. Mm-hmm. And if, if if he couldn't do it in one or two takes, then... Just assumed it's... That's like it. That's it. The feeling's gone after the second. Yeah, exactly. And there were certain producers that were that way, too. They, they just said, no, 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 we're not, we're not going to do that over. Yeah, but I hate my solo on that. I squeaked, you know, and, and I even came in in the wrong place. It doesn't matter. Right. That's it. That's, is, that's the take, man. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Prestige records. Well, my first record, <laughs> uh, we did the whole thing, the whole album in five and a half hours. That's uh, White Avenue. We recorded that in New York City with right. uh, Jorge Rossi and John Stetch and those guys. Uh, yeah, man, we we had rehearsed, and we went in there, and those guys just could lay everything down in one mm-hmm. one nice parcel. You know, it was, a, it was pretty amazing to watch them capable of doing that. And I had 
hyper prepared for that record so i was ready to to play fairly consistently across the thing other times you're going for something that's very risky like that record this last one is there's a lot a lot of risky stuff on it so mm-hmm. you know you, you, sometimes it takes a little longer right exactly and of course you wanted it, you wanted it to be yeah, it was all you <laughs> yeah yeah there's nowhere to hide at all <laughs> that's right yeah that's right so uh so this is quite an, an accomplishment, especially from your, as you said, from your last um, album that you did, uh, the Montreal album. Totally different albums. Uh, yes, yes. How do you like living in Montreal? I love it. Yeah. I love You're born there, eh? I was. Wow. Yeah. Uh, no, I've, uh, you know, I, uh, I've lived there, I think, six or 17 or 18 years across the last 25 years or 30 years. I've been there in three different spells in mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, now I have two young kids there, so it'll. I'm, I'm, I'm there for 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 quite a while now. So, right. And uh, yeah, no, I, I adore Montreal. It's a marvelous place to live. It is. It is all. And uh, um, you know, people talk about the severe winters and the political stuff that goes on in Montreal. That's just that's part of it. I think. Yeah. It's, it gives it that kind of alive. Yeah, there's a bit of an edge there for sure. <laughs> you know. But man, it's just crammed with beautiful musicians and art and great food, and you can walk mile upon mile upon mile and just keep seeing beautiful architecture and you know all kinds of different cultures. And yeah, and I never really get tired of it. Yeah, yeah, it's a city that uh, is close to my heart, and uh, I, I certainly valued um, being born and, and raised there. I also, when I was uh, we lived in New York City as well, right? And because um, my dad's work, and uh, it was kind of interesting going from Montreal schools uh, or Canadian schools uh, to American schools, mm-hmm. and uh, even even though it was basically early, um, you know, uh, late elementary and uh, early high school, um, mm-hmm. but it was interesting the the contrast. The cultural differences. Uh, the cultural between, differences, yeah. yeah. Because even in the Canadian schools, uh, you know, even in, in, you know, grade six and seven, you started learning about uh, um, his- European history and, and stuff like that. You didn't hear any anything like that in the States, in the American schools. Totally different. Totally different. Um, it was like all about, all about the States. Right. You right. know, you got a much wider kind of an education there. Yeah. But Montreal, yeah, um, it was it was unique when I was living there, and that's where I, you know, really discovered jazz. And and uh, um, I was the youngest member of uh, uh, a jazz society there, the Eminon Jazz Society. Oh, really? And um, yeah, well, I joined when I was I think I was I was twelve years old. <laughs> and and um, they said, you know, some of the places are going to be in bars where you can't go. Yeah, you know, and then somebody says, "Oh well, we can sneak in." <laughs> I mean, Montreal is pretty wide open. I heard at, at a place called the Latin Quarter, which was yep. a, a club run by the mafia at the yep. time. Um, my teacher, my clarinet teacher, because clarinet was my first instrument, yeah. um, worked out of Pete's Music Store, which was on Mansfield Street. Really, and he was um, he was one of those musicians. He played reed instruments, played saxophone, clarinet, flute. And he also played trumpet, and he mm-hmm. played in Bix Belair's uh, big band. They used to have a regular gig at Belmont Park, and no a d- different place, you know, yeah. and where he played trumpet. Anyway, so he knew everybody. He was a very urbane fellow, 
So he told me, um, he said, you know who's coming to town? Buddy DeFranco. No way. Uh, and I knew about Buddy course, DeFranco, yeah. right? And, and I said, you're kidding. He said, I would really like to take you there to hear him with his band. But, you know, um, he said, I think I can arrange it. You might have to sort of sit in the corner and so on. Uh, he said, would you like to go? Yeah. And I said, well, well, yeah. And he said, well, I can come and, come and pick you up at, at the house. He said, you talk to your parents about it, and if they want, you know, if they allow you to stay out, like, really, really late, mm-hmm. um, I'll take care of you. Right. And make sure that you get home safely and, and are safe in the club. So I discussed it with my parents, and, I, you know, they said, well, sure. I mean, wow. You know. Sure, you can go. Yeah, um, you know, which was really good because they were, you know, open-minded people. I, I really value that. Hmm. So I got, I got to uh, go here, buddy, to Franco. Buddy to Franco. Bill came and picked me up. Bill Key was his name. Mm-hmm. He came and picked me up, and met my parents and said, you know, I'll take good care of Gavin. And my my dad was saying, well, I know about that place. Said, <laughs> don't don't worry. He said, you know, I know, you know, he'll he'll be okay. Right. So I did. I was, uh, and I heard. I didn't really know who they were at the time, but Kenny Drew was playing piano. No, really. Milt Hinton was playing bass, ah. and Art Blakey was playing wow. drums. Wow! This was Buddy's working quartet of the time. Wow, that's incredible! And I had never heard music like this in my life. It was absolutely phenomenal, ah. and the place was just you know, yeah, yeah, it was just the most incredible experience. Oh, it would have to be, yeah. You know, and I'd never heard heard the clarinet played that way. Really? Yeah. Eh? Wow. <laughs> did that band ever record, did you know? Oh, yeah, they did. Huh. Yeah. Then later on, yeah, they recorded for um, um, they recorded for uh, Norman Grant's label. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then later on, uh, Buddy, the, the uh, piano uh, job went to Sonny Clark. Okay. And the drummer, uh, Blakey, got busy with his own project, so he left. Um, and uh, it was a drummer named Bobby White took over, mm-hmm. yeah. and Milt Hinton, and then Bob, he used another bass player as well. I can't right. remember the bass player's name. Wow. What but he had this quartet. Powerhouse uh, to hear. Yeah, yeah, and he recorded prolifically in those days, too. Buddy DeFranco did, hmm. you know, for Norman Grant's, and I think Mercury as well. Uh, not Mercury, but um, there was some other label that that band recorded for. Really? Yeah. But anyway, it was uh, quite an experience. Must have been. Must have been. But Montreal was 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 happening, you know, all happening back then, and 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 it still is. Obvi- yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah, it's still a great place to be. Yeah, I mean, you know, you hear stories about how just how popping it was back then, uh, but. Uh, you know. Well, it was it was a little bit like open. I mean, mind you, it was Montreal too. But it was, you know, you hear stories about how open Vancouver was too before all the kind of rules and regulations yeah, came in. But yeah, right. Vancouver was was a small town compared to Montreal. Montreal yeah. was, and Montreal was close to New York. Closer to New York, and yeah. it was easy for, um, you know, like. American musicians to even when I up. first moved there, there was still acts that came up from New York all the time. Yeah. Well, in fact, I'm helping bring up a guy from New York uh, next week. I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna play at the Upstairs Club with Peter Bernstein. Oh no uh, kidding! Great guitar player, yeah. Oh, and, absolutely. Uh, and uh, Alec Walkington and Dave Lang. We're gonna do, and the night before that, we're playing in Ottawa. 
So that thing of New Yorkers coming up to play, it still happens. Uh, mm -hmm. And of course, it's part of the festival, and there's all kinds of stuff happens during that festival. But even th that club upstairs still brings people up, uh, even outside of the festival. They, mm -hmm. Joel, the owner of it, has a way of uh, uh, covering their hotel room and sometimes a little bit of their, their you know, covers their travel expenses and stuff. So even without grants and stuff, sometimes there's... You know, we get New Yorkers come up to play the upstairs sometimes. Great. Sometimes the other club, Diaisons, too, does it. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, geographically being close to the... Yeah. Well, there was a few years where it wasn't hardly happening as much. Yeah. Uh, but when I first got there, yeah, there was, man, people would come up to play the 2080 Club. They'd come up to play Claudio's. Um, more seemed more often. There was That would have been like about 1988 that I first got there. And there was about five, four or five really functioning clubs that oh. uh, the people would come up and play. And even then, the older guard musicians in Montreal were complaining that it wasn't like it used to used be. Used to be. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. You know? And so it just makes me think, my God, it must have been... Well, they used to call it the Paris of the North, right? People would come up there during Prohibition to drink. Oh, yeah. And that's that organized crime thing was bad for all kinds of things, but I think it was really good for the music community, man. Yeah. Well, we left. Uh, I left with my family and, and moved to Vancouver uh, before all of that stuff happened. And when the final move, when when we moved, um, and then of course we read about uh, you know Pacific Plant and uh, and Jean Drapeau cleaning up the city and, right. and so on, and all the musicians out of work. Yeah, you know, it's because, weird how that works. Yeah, so. and of course the uh, uh, so many of the clubs just closing down, and you know the whole city being cleaned up yeah yes yeah and uh but then you know things have a way of kind of reconfiguring again. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's still the same place the 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 uh, the, the, the dandelions still grow through the sidewalk uh, oh, yeah. cement <laughs> yeah. well that's wonderful mike i'm really uh, i'm really glad to uh, uh have had you out out here and i'm i'm glad you were able to uh to you know, find find the place easily enough, oh, yeah, and so well, on and so forth. That was great. Much appreciated, Gavin. Yeah, and um, um, we're going to hear a few more tracks from uh, from your album Miniatures, and I'll let I'll let you pick uh, one or two or sure. three or whatever, and we'll All go right. out that way. Sounds good. How about September song? First uh, first cut on there. Okay, and then we'll pick a couple more off air. Yep. I'd just like you to uh, perhaps um, let people know about your Frankie's gig again. Yeah. So that'll be Wednesday night mm -hmm. with uh, with the great Bill Kuhn on the other guitar and uh, Darren Radke on the bass and uh, Dave Robbins on the drums. It starts, I believe, I'm going to take the first set at 8 p.m., and then there'll be a second set that is uh, the too much guitar with me <laughs> and Bill. Uh, uh, I think it might be more like nine fifteen or something like that. And then that's the second. It's like one long second set. Right. And uh, and we'll be getting around to. We got a few few good surprise tunes in store. Uh, that should be very fun. And so that's Wednesday night. Right. So one of the things that uh, that you can do is go on the website of the coastal jazz and blues society which is coastaljazz.ca all the information is on there and if you um, if you do want to uh, check out mike's show and there is room hopefully there may be a little bit of room mm -hmm. um you can make a reservation for uh whoever in your, in your party. 
by just going to uh, the website, coastaljazz.ca, and check out Frankie's and so on. It's a very comprehensive website, and uh, you can make reservations right on the site and, uh, and buy tickets and all, all that kind of stuff. So that's something uh, uh, hopefully you will do because uh, it's very likely that the show will be sold out before Wednesday. So the thing to do is get on it ASAP. So um, I'd like to thank you for making the effort to come all the way out here. Pleasure is entirely mine. Thanks again, Gavin. Oh, you're most welcome. You flew all the way out here from Montreal. Oh, yeah. This (laughs) tour has been a blast. Really? Doing a bunch of the Western Jazz Festivals, yeah. Right. You know. Where do you go from Vancouver? I go to Edmonton. Yes. Where I'm going to sing some of the notes on Montreal material with the Edmonton Jazz Orchestra. Oh, Uh, right. And then I do the miniatures thing, and then I go to Ottawa, and then Montreal again. Oh, okay. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, we'll say farewell, adieu, <laughs> and um, bonsoir to, uh, to Mike Rudd. And uh, hopefully those of you listening will get down and hear Mike at Frankie's this Wednesday, the 29th of June. And that's Frankie's Jazz Club, which is located on Beatty Street. And once again, Check it out at the uh, Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. So here then is another cut, and uh, we'll play this and uh, a couple more cuts from Mike's album Miniatures, which, of course, will be available for sale on the gig. You better believe it. Yes, (laughs) at a very nice price. Oh, yes, yes. (laughs) Yes, and you don't have to pay in euros. (laughs) Okay. Thanks again, Mike. Thank you, Gavin. Take care. Bye-bye. A long, long while From May to December But the days grow short When you reach September When the autumn weather Turns leaves to flame One hasn't got time For the waiting game Oh, the days dwindle down To a precious few
I'll spend with you. The days dwindle down to a precious few. September, November, and these few precious days. I've just found joy I'm as happy as a baby boy With another brand new choo-choo toy When I met my sweet Lorraine A pair of eyes that are brighter than the summer skies When you look at them you'll realize why I love my sweet Lorraine When it's raining I don't miss the sun Cause it's in my baby's smile And to think that I'm the lucky one That will lead her down the aisle Each night I pray That no one will steal her heart away I can't wait until that lucky day when I marry sweet Lorraine. It's raining, I don't miss the sun Cause it's in my baby's smile 
And to think that I'm the lucky one that will lead her down the aisle. Each night I pray that no one will steal her heart away. I can't wait until that lucky day. When I marry sweet Lorraine. We've just listened to not only an interview with uh, Mike Rudd, but uh, three more tunes from this wonderful album, Miniatures. And as he said, he's going to uh, do the first set at uh, Frankie's selections from this album. So we heard three more with uh, Mike doing, of course, on guitar, vocals, and all his arrangements. And uh, we opened with um, the great uh, standard September song. And uh, then we... A uh, wonderful standard that uh, Nat King Cole put on the map, Sweet Lorraine. And uh, then the instrumental tune, um, Johnny Mandel's very beautiful tune called Emily. And, of course, uh, that's uh, a big favorite of, uh, of many people. Bill Evans used to play that tune all the time and several other people as well. And uh, it's just one of those 
um, lovely melodies. Johnny Mercer and Johnny Mandel wrote the tune. All right, Mike Rudd, and he'll be performing this Wednesday as part of the Vancouver International Jazz Festival, as Mike mentioned, at Frankie's. And he'll be doing a solo set of tunes from this album and then um, a set with uh, a band called Too Much Guitar with uh, fellow guitarist Bill Kuhn, Darren Radke on bass, and Dave Robbins on drums. So it should be quite a night. And uh, you can still check out, um, make reservations at Frankie's by either phoning them directly or going on the uh, website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. That is coastaljazz.ca. Everything is on that website pertaining to the Jazz Festival, and uh, you can check it out. Our jazz feature is going to be coming up next, but we have some important announcements. We'd like to tell you that you are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. We broadcast right out here at the campus of the University of British Columbia on unceded Musqueam territory. My name's Gavin Walker. And this is, of course, The Jazz Show, and we have uh, some announcements to tell you about, and we're going to be right back with um, a late edition of our jazz feature. Looking for a high-paced, exciting, full-contact sport that's tons of fun? Check out the Terminal City Roller Girls. The league was Vancouver's first ever female roller derby league and is going strong with multiple teams in six games a year. Come be a part of the electric atmosphere. Become a player, a referee, or a fan. To play, you'll have to be female and 19 plus and have a valid care card. Derby is also a major time commitment, but you'll quickly realize how much fun skating is and you'll want to skate as often as possible. Tryouts are in the fall, but come out to watch the games throughout the summer. TCRG wants you to skate with them. Go to tcrg.ca slash skate to find out how. This Canada Day, celebrate by making a difference with the Run Canada Day at Westbrook Village. This 5K or 10K run in Pacific Spirit Park is the only run-walk event in Vancouver on Canada Day, with a free barbecue and a four-foot cake afterwards. Register at runcanadaday.com and all the proceeds from the event will be donated to Canadian Diabetes and the BC Children's Hospital. UBC students, make sure to use the promo code RUNWESTBROOK to get a $5 discount off the registration price. Come celebrate and run with your community this Canada Day. interested in human rights and social justice? Come check out Amnesty International UBC. We fight to stop human rights violations all over the world, including here in Canada. Our club hosts letter writing sessions, social events, documentary nights, bar fundraisers, and current events discussions on a bi-weekly basis. So keep your ears open and check out our Amnesty International UBC Facebook page for more information. We look forward to promoting human rights with you. All right, we're back and uh, we're going to be doing our jazz feature. Now, I, I um, normally we do the jazz feature right at the top of the show, but I wanted to 
um, have Mike on as he uh, made a big effort to come out here to uh, our station and uh, have him talk about his gig and uh, just uh, have a nice chat with us. Uh, such a fine uh, musician, guitarist, and uh, very accomplished. And uh, it was a great pleasure to have him out here. And I wanted to have him on the show early enough uh, before people started uh, heading off for bed and uh, so on and so forth. Our jazz feature is happening now, and we're going to hear this uh, great album by cornetist Nat Adderley. Cornet is uh, his chosen instrument. It's, it's basically a smaller trumpet, and it has a, a, a slightly sharper sound. And uh, Nat Adderley, it became Nat Adderley's preferred horn um, uh, for the many years that he was playing. Nat Adderley, of course, is the younger brother of the great Julian Cannonball Adderley. And, of course, Nat um, as great a trumpet player uh, or cornetist, uh, if you will, uh, as he was, was kind of overshadowed by his big brother, of course, who was one of the most formidable alto saxophonists ever. And um, they worked together so often, and it, it was um, so often people sort of took Nat a little bit for granted. Um, I mean, obviously, he and Cannonball worked for, uh, together for so many years, um, but Nat, of course, made albums under his own name as well. And um, they were um, often sort of greeted with, oh, well, yeah, they're very good, and so on and so forth. Um, the fact is, he, he was an amazing player. And um, his legacy, of course, is a little, a little bit overshadowed by the reputation of his big brother. And so he was, has been undeservedly underrated and um this album is uh, is such a wonderful uh, recording nat um and his brother and the rest of the cannonball adderley band in the mid 60s all moved to los angeles uh it was more comfortable for them to live there they had lots of gigs uh all up and down the west coast and uh, they enjoyed the lifestyle um, of L.A. in those years and uh, you know, away from New York City, the cold and all that kind of stuff. So they were all living in, in L.A. at the time. And um, Nat was approached by um, a couple of uh, disc jockeys from one of the prominent uh, radio stations in Los Angeles, uh, KBCA. And uh, these were a couple of guys that were jazz DJs but they were also uh, promoters as well, and, and uh, they were promoting for a club in L.A. called Memory Lane. And every Monday night, um, they put on concerts uh, for uh, the patrons of, Memor of uh, Memory Lane. And uh, they approached Nat and said, would you like to put together a band and have a Nat Adderley evening at Memory Lane? And uh, Nat said, yeah, I'd love to do that. Um, that's basically uh, a night off for me, and uh, even though I'm, I work with my brother all the time, uh, we usually don't work on Monday nights, so I can put together a band for you. Sure, exactly. I'd love to do it. And um, fortunately, Nat had just signed a contract with Atlantic Records, and he told them about the gig, and Atlantic said, well, we'll come out and record that gig. And so Nat said, yeah, absolutely, you guys do that. That, that. That'd be great. 
So Nat picked Joe Henderson as his partner on the front line, one of the great exponents of the tenor saxophone. And Joe Henderson, let me tell you, is on fire on this date. Um, he just loved working with Nat and loved the, the rhythm section that Nat picked. And, of course, Nat figured, well, you know, I work with Joe Zavanol all the time. Victor Gaskin is our bass player, and Roy McCurdy is our drummer. I'm going to use him and, just ha- and have, have Joe on the front line with me. So basically, um, that's what the band's going to be. So, and that's who you're going to hear. Joe Zavanol on piano, Victor Gaskin on bass, and Roy McCurdy on drums. So on this Monday night... Nat Adderley put together this incredible band, and we are going to hear the results of that because it was issued on Atlantic Records on an album called Live at Memory Lane, and it was recorded in October of 1966. So here is the great Nat Adderley on cornet, Joe Henderson on tenor saxophone, and of course the rhythm section I mentioned. Uh, the tunes we open with Nat Adderley's composition called On My Journey Now. And that, that's a good intro tune. Then we go to a great original by Nat Adderley with, with um, uh, a suspended rhythm pattern which sets up an, an amazing kind of tension. Uh, Roy McCurdy does an incredible job. And Joe Henderson pops a tenor saxophone solo that is unbelievable on this piece. And the piece is called Fun. So that's track number two. Track number three is a surprise because it's an old kind of almost a folk tune that people used to sing around campfires and stuff. And Nat does a great job of a tune called In the Good Old Summertime, perfectly suited to the kind of weather we're getting right now, right here in Vancouver. And, um, This is a wonderful interpretation of this old tune. Then we go to two Joe Zavanul originals that he wrote especially for this gig. He put pen to paper and wrote a tune called Lavender Woman, which is tune number four. And the tune number five is a tune called Painted Desert. And both of them are rather fascinating compositions that bring out the best in the band. And then we're going to hear just a little taste of uh, Nat's theme song, and uh, he's going to say goodnight to everybody. So that's the end of the set. So here then is Nat Adderley with his uh, very special edition of his quintet. Nat Adderley on cornet, Joe Henderson on tenor saxophone, Joe Zavanul on piano, Victor Gaskin on bass, and Roy McCurdy on drums. This is our jazz feature this evening. Nat Adderley, live at Memory Lane.
Victor Gaskin on bass, ladies and gentlemen. Victor Gaskin. We'd like a round of applause for our pianist, Joe Zavenu, ladies and gentlemen. Joe Zavenu. Viennese wonder. Our great drummer, Roy McCurdy. Roy McCurdy. Yeah. And our tenor saxophonist, Joe Henderson. Thank you. Thank you very much. Our jazz feature this evening, Nat Adderley, live at Memory Lane. And he was such an amazing musician. He was um, a bit overshadowed by his big brother, Cannonball Adderley. But uh, when Nat uh, was out on his own and doing his own gigs, which he did um, infrequently, of course, he did a lot more after Cannonball passed away, uh, so prematurely, um, but this was uh, a great gig, and it was a Monday night um, that was offered at a club uh, in L.A. in Watts called Memory Lane, and that was asked by a couple of uh, very hip DJs that worked for a local radio station uh, that were promoters as well, and uh, Nat was approached to uh, bring in his own group. And um, everything kind of worked out because Nat uh, called uh, Atlantic Records, uh, which he was recording independently for, and uh, they said, well, we'll come out and record you. And uh, they set it all up, and um, that's how this particular album came into existence. So it's a great one, live at Memory Lane. And, of course, Nat um, picked as his frontline partner, the great Joe Henderson, who was absolutely on fire on this uh, recording, which took place in October of 1966, and um, was a great frontline partner for for Nat, and of course inspired him to do some uh, pretty serious playing. Nat chose as his rhythm section people who he was very familiar with because they were the rhythm section of the Cannonball Adderley Quintet. So uh, he didn't want to pick anyone else because he was so comfortable working with these three gentlemen, and I include Joe Zavanul on piano, Victor Gaskin on bass, and the great Roy McCurdy on drums. And uh, they provided the, uh, the inspiration, but uh, the real inspiration was the very hip uh, and very enthusiastic audience at the club at Memory Lane, and uh, they inspired the musicians to really give out and play, and we heard them on the set. Uh, we opened with a Nat Adderley composition, kind of set everything up, and it's called On My Journey Now, and uh, then we moved to a very intense piece of music with a, a rather um, insistent rhythm pattern that really set up a lot of tension, and uh, Joe Henderson just delivered a, a uh, ridiculously good solo on uh, Nat Adderley's composition called Fun. 
And then Nat chose an old tune that uh, people used to sing around campfires and stuff. And uh, it's called In the Good Old Summertime. And, of course, it's perfectly suited to our summertime, which is happening right now. The good old summertime. And then we move to two Joe Zavano compositions. One, the first one called Lavender Woman, and the second one called Painted Desert. And then we proceeded to the closing theme, written by Nat Adderley and Joe Zavano, called simply The Theme. And... uh, the band played on, and Nat made his announcements and said goodnight, and that was it, live at Memory Lane. So we hope you enjoyed the jazz feature this evening, Nat Adderley and the quintet, and uh, Nat Adderley on cornet. Cornet was the instrument of Nat's choice. It's a smaller, sharper-sounding trumpet, and he developed his uh, wonderful concept on that. Nat Adderley uh, really stood on his own as a great great musician, and we all miss him as well. All right. We hope you enjoyed the jazz feature and the jazz show. My name's Gavin Walker. This is, of course, the jazz show on CITR FM 101.9. And uh, we shall return in a moment or so and celebrate a birthday of a great musician. June the 27th, 1923, is when he was born, and uh, he died quite young at age 43 in 1967. And I'm talking about pianist, composer, one of the greats. He was a contemporary and a friend of Thelonious Monk and Bud Powell. They grew all grew up together. And this gentleman didn't get the recognition of Bud Powell or Thelonious Monk, but he was on the same level. And uh, I'll prove it to you by playing some of his music. We're talking about Elmo Hope. And we'll be back with some music by Elmo Hope in a moment. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. How much do you know about bikes? Everything? Perfect. Nothing at all? Even better. At the UBC Bike Kitchen, you can use our space and tools to do your own bike maintenance, get one-on-one instruction on how to fix your bike yourself, or drop your bike off for us to repair. You can also buy a fully refurbished, guaranteed used bicycle, or a variety of new and used parts and accessories. The Bike Kitchen is UBC's non-profit, student-owned, full-service bike shop. We're located in the basement of the Student Union Building. Just look for the stairwell on the north side of the sub across from Gage Towers or search for the UBC Bike Kitchen on Facebook. Stop by the Bike Kitchen and then get riding.
Well, I did mention the uh, the weather, and uh, it's going to be pretty good this week, uh, I must say. Uh, summer is really here. It was a beautiful day today. It, it will be a beautiful day tomorrow. So tonight, uh, just a few clouds and uh, low down to about a very comfortable 15. Then tomorrow will be mainly sunny with uh, a low of 15 and high up to 23. Wednesday, Thursday will be beautiful, sunny with lows of 15 and highs between 23 and 27. And on Friday and Saturday and Sunday, there will be a mix of sun and cloud, but still very pleasant, no precipitation in the forecast. And that augurs very well for uh, some of the great outdoor events um, this coming long weekend. That the um, It'll be the final long weekend and uh, of the Vancouver International Jazz Festival. And, of course, David Lamb Park will be uh, full of uh, free music, free in that it is no admission. Just go there and just have a ball. Set yourself up and uh, you'll hear all kinds of great music by local, international um, artists, all presented by the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society and the Vancouver International Jazz Festival. And it augurs very well for great weather. Temperatures are going to range between 14 and about 25 degrees in the daytime, 14 at night, 25 um, during the day. So that's going to be great. Mix of sun and cloud for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. All right, that's the weather picture. Yes, very positive. Elmo Hope, Elmo Sylvester Hope, was uh, a gentleman born, actually he was first generation, like so many of the great musicians uh, that uh, came up in New York City, uh, like Sonny Rollins, Kenny Drew, Arthur Taylor, um, I can name Randy Weston, Cecil Payne, uh, I can name so many that uh, were first-generation West Indians. Winton Kelly was another one, a great pianist. Um, they were, um, their parents had uh, arrived from the, from the Caribbean, and of course these gentlemen were born and raised in New York City, but they were first-generation um, uh, they were first-generation offspring from immigrant parents who, who came from the, uh, the islands. Elmo Hope was one of them, and he was an only child and um, was a, a young piano prodigy. And he didn't have a whole lot of formal training at the piano. He was a natural talent. And he and Bud Powell were childhood friends, and uh, they played um, classical music together. And, of course, they both realized that uh, uh, as African-Americans uh, in growing up in the 30s in New York, the chances of them um, becoming uh, professionally recognized as classical musicians just wasn't going to happen. And um, it just, there were no doors open for um, black musicians to perform on the classical stage. And they, um, they ventured into jazz and, of course, uh, became um, great jazz pianists. One of their elders was Thelonious Monk, and he kind of took these two young guys, Elmo Hope and, and, and Bud Powell, 
a little bit under his wing, and they and influenced them to check out different piano players and broaden their styles and, and so on. And they were all very, very close buddies. And, of course, Thelonious and Bud Powell went on to, um, despite the, uh, some of the tragic elements of their lives, they, w- they went on to make such a great mark in, in music and became um, great jazz stars and, and uh, huge names. Um, Elmo Hope didn't fare as well. Somehow he got overshadowed. There were a bunch of reasons why. Uh, I'm not going to go into all of them, but um, uh, Elmo, um, uh, his life was unfortunately blighted by uh, heavy use of narcotics, and uh, that didn't help matters. Uh, Elmo eventually left New York uh, in 1956, Uh, to get away from uh, a lot of that nonsense um, and also debts that he owed and all that kind of stuff. And he didn't want to make his parents ashamed of him. And uh, he moved bag and baggage to Los Angeles um, for about four years. Of course, uh, he was still dogged by these uh, uh, habits, but a lot of good things happened in L.A. for him. He got some really good recording dates. Um, he, his overall health improved, uh, even though his uh, drug use unfortunately didn't. Um, it didn't help very much, but he met his, uh, a wonderful lady named Bertha Hope, who was still alive. She's a wonderful pianist, and she's alive and well in New York. And they married and uh, had, had several children together as well. And Toward the end of the um, 1950s, Elmo decided to pack his bags and head back to the city that he loved so much and to work with the musicians that he, um, he preferred, really. And uh, he did. We're going to delve into um, some music from two recordings that he made. Uh, he made a famous recording for, for um, Riverside Records called Homecoming, which got a lot of critical uh, recognition, deservedly so, and it was is a very beautiful album. And uh, I think we did a jazz feature on that recording several years ago. We'll have to uh, um, reprise that because it's such a great recording. But these recordings um, that we're going to listen to this evening are trio recordings. And uh, these were musicians that he preferred to play with. I'm talking about Paul Chambers on bass and the great Philly Joe Jones on drums, who was one of Hope's closest friends and preferred drummer. Now, Elmo did two albums for a very obscure label um, called Beacon and Celebrity Records. These were (laughs) very small uh, uh, labels, and they were poorly distributed uh, and became instant collector's items. And uh, in, in the years later, um, record collectors were on the lookout for these albums because they were very, very valuable. This was before the, they were reissued on CD and became easily available. But uh, if you can get original copies of these albums, um, Japanese collectors will pay uh, four or five thousand dollars for these albums, um, uh, as long as they're the original copies of the original Beacon and Celebrity uh, labels. Um, quite amazing. 
The music is quite amazing, too. And so we're going to delve into a few tunes from uh, both of these great albums that were done in 1961 after Elmo, uh, of course, returned to New York City. They feature all of his own compositions and uh, in this great company. And uh, we're going to hear three tunes right off the top and pick some more um, a little bit later. So the three tunes have uh, typical kind of quirky Elmo Hope uh, uh, titles. The first one is called Chips. The second one is called Moe's Bluff. And tune number three is called Happy Hour. And we're going to hear those three tunes right off the bat. And then we're going to hear three more as a tribute to the great Elmo Sylvester Hope, who would have been 93 years old today. And he was born in New York City, June the 27th, 1923. So here's Elmo with on piano with Paul Chambers on bass and Philly Joe Jones on drums. And we begin with Chips.
Music by the late and great Elmo Hope, one of the most distinctive pianists. Born on this day in 1923 in New York City, Elmo Sylvester Hope, legendary pianist who grew up with uh, Bud Powell and Thelonious Monk and uh, unfortunately didn't achieve the status that the other two um, were able to achieve in the competitive world of jazz. But uh, Elmo Hope stands right up there with, uh, with both of these gentlemen, a true innovator and a great musician. We heard him here, recorded in 1961 for a small obscure label, uh, with his trio with Paul Chambers on bass and, of course, his favorite drummer, the great Philly Joe Jones on drums. And we heard three Elmo Hope compositions, Chips, Moe's Bluff, and the one we just finished playing, Happy Hour. We're going to hear three more with the same group. Um, this, the next tune is called Hot Sauce, and the tune after that is called When the Groove is Low. And the final tune is a very exotic-sounding piece called The Stars Over Marrakesh, all compositions by the late, great Elmo Hope. And today we're celebrating his birthday. It would, he would have been 93 today. He died uh, in June of 1967. He was only 43, died of pneumonia, brought on by, of course, a history of um, heavy drug use. Uh, he was never able to shake the drug habit, sad to say, and I think it was uh, more than likely led to his untimely death, Elmo Hope. But he left a small legacy of great records, some of which we're hearing right now. So here then, we start the uh, set with Hot Sauce. Thank you. 
the music of the late, great Elmo Hope. And, of course, we were celebrating his, what would have been his 93rd birthday. And he was born June the 27th, 1923, in New York City. And we heard uh, three more original compositions by Elmo. And uh, we opened with one called Hot Sauce, and then we moved to one called When the Groove is Low, and the final tune um, is, a very, is a very exotic uh, piece of music entitled Stars Over Marrakesh. Elmo Hope on piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and the great Philly Joe Jones on drums. And uh, these were from uh, two very obscure, um, formerly very obscure albums that were done by Elmo Hope upon his return to New York City from four years on the West Coast. Um, he returned to New York City in the early 60s and recorded these albums in 1961, Elmo Hope. Our tribute to Elmo Sylvester Hope. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And we're going to um, go to a live performance done in Sweden in uh, a club in Nalen. Uh, the club, that's the name of the club, Nalen in Stockholm, March the 2nd, 1959. And here is Sonny Rollins on tenor saxophone with Henry Grimes on bass and Pete LaRocca on drums. And Sonny was on tour with his uh, with this trio uh, throughout Europe, and uh, this is the only piece that was recorded in a small club, and um, a very fine version of uh, one of Sonny's well, maybe his most famous composition, Saint Thomas. Here's Sonny. Thank you. 
Sonny Rollins recorded in Sweden at a club called Nalan. And that was Sonny with his uh, touring trio with Henry Grimes on bass and Pete LaRocca on drums. And, of course, Sonny in great form um, performing for a live audience and playing more than likely his most popular and most famous composition, St. Thomas, as only Sonny could play it. We're going to close with the band that uh, we opened the show with this evening. And uh, actually, I think we closed last week with this piece of music, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, it's kind of a good setup to say goodnight because it's a very beautiful piece of music. And we're going to return to this album by Bobby Hutchison called Stick Up. And uh, it was um, issued on Blue Note Records and recorded in 1966. And it features a gentleman that we heard much of on the jazz feature, the great Joe Henderson on tenor saxophone, Bobby Hutcherson on vibes, leading the band, and McCoy Tyner at the piano, Herbie Lewis on bass, and Billy Higgins on drums. And um, this is, to me, uh, the track of the album. And uh, it's a piece of music written by Bobby Hutcherson, and it's called Verse. And that's going to be our last recording for the evening. And I think an appropriate way to say bonsoir and good night. And we'll be back uh, next week. Bobby Hutcherson, verse.
And that's a wrap. That uh, last piece called Verse is from uh, this great Bobby Hutchison album entitled Stick Up. And Bobby on vibes, of course, with Joe Henderson on tenor saxophone, McCoy Tyner at the piano, Herbie Lewis on bass, and Billy Higgins on drums. Verse. All right. We'd like to thank you very much for being out there this evening on behalf of The Jazz Show and myself, Gavin Walker, and CITR FM 101.9, broadcasting out here on unceded Musqueam territory out here at UBC. And, uh, of course, we're on the web, www.citr.ca. And we'll see you in seven days' time, as a matter of fact, July 2nd, and uh, it's a holiday weekend coming up. No, I guess it's not July 2nd. <laughs> it'll be, actually, it'll be the, uh, I, I believe it'll be the 4th of July is next Monday. That should be, uh, yeah. So, uh, that's right. It is the 4th of July, and uh, it's, of course, a big holiday in the in the United States, and our jazz feature next week is going to be an album by the great composer Gary McFarland, and it's a classic album, and it's called, it's uh, actually uh, uh, features a very large group and features his composition called America the Beautiful, an account of its disappearance. And it was written in 19 and performed in 1968. And um, it's quite a piece. You'll hear it next week on the Jazz Feature, opening our show on the 4th of July. See you then. Take care. Bye-bye for now. Do-ba-dee-oo-doo-doo-wee Ba-do-ba-dee-oo-doo-doo-wee